Welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join us each week as we review a film and a whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar, or send us an email with your own film reviews and whiskey recommendations. Three Boys in a Bar at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Oh, Ola, can you hear me? I can hear you. I've got you. Yes! And Tom. Hello. Can you hear all of us? I can hear you guys. Hold on. All right. Amazing. All right. Cool. All righty, boys. So, who's going to intro? I think it's probably me, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, run with it. All righty. Welcome back to Three Boys in a Bar, the weekly film and whiskey review podcast. I am Marco and I'm joined by my good friends, Will. Hello. And Tom. Hey, guys. How are we today, gents? Going well. It's been, um, at the time of recording, it's been dismally wet here in Melbourne. So it's been the best opportunity to sit back in a couch um, put on a heater and just watch some good movies. Brilliant. Well, uh, this week we had the absolute pleasure of reviewing a film that Will recommended. So, Will, take it away. What did we review? And tell us yeah. about it. Yeah, thanks, Marco. Okay, so this week uh, we reviewed Guns Akimbo, which the three of us have been kicking around for a while because this is not a super new release. It's a 2019 one. Um, but this has been the first opportunity we kind of had uh, came up on the slate, and guys, I couldn't be more excited because I feel like Guns Akimbo is the antidote we all need right now. You know, while it might not cure the world of COVID, it will entertain you for 100 minutes, giving you plenty of laughs and action. So, Guns Akimbo stars Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Miles, who is a low-grade game app programmer, a loner and a geek whose only real outlet is to go online in his spare time and troll trolls. Um, and it's basically this keyboard warrioring that lands Miles in the, into a whole world of trouble. In the world of Guns Akimbo, one that is not all too dissimilar from our own, the internet is king and liking, following and commenting is the only currency that matters. A rogue criminal and his band of baddies has established Kism, which is a reality show that pits people against one another as they fight to the death. These death matches are streamed live to the multitude of furiously adoring followers. And as one of the opening lines of the movie describes it, Kism is the worst side of humanity, so the internet fucking loved it. So don't we all know that? <laughs> so Miles falls foul of the criminal gang thanks to his overzealous keyboard crusading and is suddenly faced with a real fight for his life, one where there's no VPN to keep him safe. What then unfolds is an incredibly funny, smart and action-packed movie as we follow Miles stumble and fumble his way from hopeless to something hero-ish. Along the way, he contends with having to try to wee without the use of his hands, being maced in the face by his ex-girlfriend, and eat an eight-month-old hot dog supplied by a homeless man played by the ever-funny Reese Darby. A very funny moment. So this movie is slick. The action sequences, of which the movie is basically all one long action piece, are cleverly shot and pull on the tone of 
you know, comic books um, and graphic novels, and also computer games, including first player Doom and Mortal Kombat, which some viewers or audiences will know. Big, big shout out to the cinematographer, Stefan Kupek, for really excellent, interesting and fun use of the camera, including some almost Tarantino-esque crash zooms, some tumbling and upside down turns and fun intercuts. Um, and obviously largely thanks to the editors too, who are Luke Hay and Zaz Montana. So this movie is written, directed Alden, and he's pulled together a story that is edgy and original. The dialogue is funny, quirky, and in a few moments, even slightly touching. Uh, some favorite lines include, never bring a spork to a gunfight. And the character of Nick's crying out, Friday night just got really lonely. You'll have to watch the movie to understand why that is so funny. Uh, this movie has a killer soundtrack with some really grunged up versions of classics like Spin Me Right Round, Ballroom Blitz, uh, Wild One, the Iggy Pop version, and Never Surrender, as well as intercutting Cypress Hill and Super Freak both geniusly. And this sound design is by Ennis Rothoff. Daniel Radcliffe is perfectly cast and also with a very solid American accent, I have to say. He plays Miles, who is pitted against Nix, played by Aussie Samara Weaving. And he's also entangled with his ex-girlfriend Nova, played by Natasha Lou Bodizzo. Head of Schism is Richter, played by Ned Deneni, um, who some people may know from Peaky Blinders, and he's got a lot of random credits um basically his background in imdb so it's nice to see him come to the fore in this movie so guys i think there's so much to love about this film the production design is standout nick bassett who has worked on big movies like avatar castaway and spartacus he's has created this comic book-esque world and we travel from the evil lair of schism to you know a gamer loner apartment to warehouses scrapyards and office buildings Costume design is also also ace as our main man marches around in tiger slippers and yellow duck boxes for most of the first half of the film. You know, the baddies look like they just came out of a Fifty Shades of Grey costume party. And Nix's costume is like this wild, sexy, bloody thing with a touch of Trinity from the Matrix. So there's lots of tats, dyed hair and piercings. And even though all of this is so wild, I think it just works really well together. To me, this movie is like Black Mirror, Hunger Games, and Deadpool. Deadpool had a threesome and spawned a wild, out-of-control child that you can't help to love, despite the mayhem it, it causes. It's a violent, graphic, and oh-so-funny movie. Uh, in what could be branded as a simple shoot-em-up movie, this feels original and so much more. I couldn't begin to call out all the excellent bits um, because I'd be going scene to scene. This film is shot in Munich and Auckland. It is rated R and is available to stream. It is outrageously good. Boys, it's over to you. What did you guys think? Thanks, Will. I, I, I agree. I thought, this was, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. Um, did, not, did not expect... Um, I mean, you know, you sort of see movies of this... B-movies of this kind, you expect to be... You know, you expect it to be a bit stupid, but you also expect it just to have really little... Um, depth, but I actually thought the filmmaker or Jason Lee Howard really had a vision with this film and what he was trying to do with it. Um, this movie, first and foremost, this movie would have um, would not be the what, what it is without Daniel Radcliffe. He is just exceptional in it. And one of the, th the most amazing things about him is that he's not just a character who 
he's made out to be a you know a bit um he, he's made out to be you know a nerd who's not really um capable of standing up to himself and he's made to look wimpish but the fact is from the very start of the film we're already given the idea that he actually is quite independent and he's capable of making choices and that makes him a really attractive character and one of the best things about one of the so that there's this particular scene there's a reason why he wakes up finding you know guns bolted to his hands but it's because of a choice he made and it's a and it's a position he took in relation to schism and what schism means uh, what what you know what it is in society and he decided it was just an abhorrent thing to have on on the internet and but he took that stand he took that position and that's what makes and you know it means that you know he's capable of making choices which was important the other thing that i really loved and i would say is actually some of the some of the best scenes of the movie actually came towards the start when you had when you were really sort of getting to know the character one of the best scenes as you mentioned before will is when he's trying to he's trying <laughs> to um go to the bathroom with with these with these guns he's trying to um you know he's trying to um use the inhaler and all of these all of these things really humanize him and make him such an attractive character um i just thought those little things were really you know they they were really important because otherwise this movie would have just been a big bloodfest a dumb movie but i'm really glad that they took the time to give the character that that little bit more depth um samara weaving i thought was excellent i thought she did a fantastic job I thought the editing by Luke Hayes as Montana was killer. They were just, it was, it was, you, you know, these really fast paced action scenes. There was a lot of cutting, like a lot of really jarring cuts between camera with, with very sort of obscure camera angles and things like that. Yet the editing was able to sort of make everything make sense. Um, so kudos to them. They did a fantastic job. I thought Stefan Chilpek, if I pronounced the name correctly, um, was an excellent <laughs> DP. Um, I thought, um, I thought, I, I thought that there was definitely a lot of John Wick references. Uh, not sorry, there took a lot of inspiration from John Wick. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of like blue and red and amber lighting in the background and a lot of the sets, which was kind of the style and um, which was the kind of style that was adopted by David Leach in the John Wick movies. Um, I also thought. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I thought um, Enos Rothoff's um, score, was, uh, electronic score, was also interesting. Um, overall, I thought this was a, it was, you know, I, I also thought finally is that it was a. I thought there was something meta about this film that the idea that people watch really mindless, mindlessly violent movies to be entertained, and there was something disgusting and disturbing about that. Yet the irony is that we, as the audience, have just watched the same a movie full of violence <laughs> and and i feel like that you know that it, it kind of that 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 theme kind of just um broke the fourth wall for me and just illuminated the hypocrisy of uh, like the theme of the film in the first place and um yeah i thought it was i thought it was interesting i think um i thought ted denny gave a good performance as well i just i would just say that i thought the movie was was really good at its start i think it we i think it got a little bit weaker towards the end um, I, I, I mean, I think it was fun. That's, that's the most, that's the, that uh, most importantly, this film was really good fun. Um, and it didn't, it, it had, it certainly had style and attitude 
some, I'd say maybe the older viewers might find there's a little bit too much attitude in a film of this kind. Um, but I thought really it was the, the, um, Jason Lee Howard knew exactly what he was looking for. And, um, when he made this film and did a great job. Marco, what did you think? Well, I, I think there's only one word that can really sum up this film and that has to be bombastic. <laughs> it, is, it is an over-the-top rush of colour and gore and neon and just from start to finish, it is a roller coaster ride. But what it is exactly what you would expect. I mean, the entire you know that when they wrote this film, they they started with the premise of what if you woke up one day and you had guns bolted to your hands <laughs> and the story that they came up with was shaped around that concept. Like you just have to know that that is exactly where they started. And going into the film, knowing that you get exactly what you expect out of a film like that. You, you get the crazy gun action sequences. You get the meta like nods to the audience. You get just completely over the top characters, over the top acting, over the top dialogue, but it works. I mean, Samara Weaving's character is ridiculous. I mean, if you put her in any other context and she is overacting and is the worst character in the (laughs) film, but in this film, it works. I mean, I'll admit at times it was a bit much even for me, but on the whole, she fits the world that is created by this film. And so does Miles. I mean, he he fits in as that dejected loner who's a little bit nerdy. And as you say, Tom, but he still had agency. He still had choices to make. And that's what made him so compelling because he evolved as a person from the start to the end of the film, which is like the perfect example of a, a character arc. And that's what people want to see. But, um, yeah, th- this film was phenomenal. It was exactly what I needed at this point in time during our lockdown, and I'm sure it won't appeal to everybody, but uh, it certainly it scratches the same itch as, like, a John Wick-style film without taking itself too seriously, as I thought the later John Wick sort of titles did. But um, part of me watching this film, About halfway through the film, I realised this is the film that Suicide Squad wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And absolutely failed. And it's so funny that, like, an R rating and no ties to anything and not trying to be anything more than what it was elevates something, whereas you look at Suicide Squad and everybody knows how that ended up. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you really think, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry, like it, it, Suicide Squad is on the mind because obviously the DC fandom just ca- came out with a trailer for The Suicide Squad, so that's got me excited. But we're not going to talk about that. We're here to talk about Guns Akimbo. I think you're right, Marco, about the arc of Miles as a character. And I really liked um, right towards the end of the film, you know, he looks up at one of the Schism drones and it was a really... It wasn't trying to take the piss out of Gladiator, but I really remembered the Russell Crowe moment where it was like, are you entertained? (laughs) And it was this thing. And then they cut to all these different groups of people um, 
you know, watching it who are like, yeah. And Tom, that's really, you know, a good pickup from you about how sort of this film is meta and everyone knows I love to try and find meaning in, in films, but I think it was really clever how they were absolutely pointing to the world that we live in now where likes and follows and comments are all, you know, big business and things that are grotesque, violent, shocking are all total clickbait. And, you know, Miles as a character does this beautiful arc and we get this moment. And rather than some inward inflect, uh, reflection from these followers, they're just baying for more blood and more action. And it's both highly entertaining and highly disturbing at the same time. And I thought this was just one of the, the, one of the things that I found was really clever um, that this film did. I also thought I, I, one of the other things I, I, I really liked about this movie as well which I didn't really get into talking about was just the camera, the shots, the camera mm. shots. There was like, oh, like they did it in a way in which when things got really real, they were conventional shots with, you know, um, they were not filmed at any kind of angle. Whereas once everything goes out of, you know, out <laughs> of whack, everything's suddenly at an angle. You know, you're, you're, seeing, um, you're seeing Daniel Radcliffe at a diagonal and all these kind of strange cutting, ang- cutting shots. But it sort of... But in a way, what it does is it emulates what it's like to be reading, say, a comic book, and you're looking at each of the frames of the of, of the on the page, and all these very images, and you're looking at them really quickly. And that's kind of what I thought this was trying to. This is what I thought the the camera work with the editing was trying to emulate, like you were just reading a comic book. And there's a there, there's a reference to comic books in it in this movie, of course. Um, so you know, I I thought they were, re- I, you know, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen film a filmmaker try and attempt to replicate a style like a of this sort since um probably since um John Pil- uh, sorry Scott Pilgrim vs the World. I was really hoping you were going to say that because that I was about to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely reeks of Edgar Wright's style in that way, but takes like dials it up to eleven. I mean. Like following, you, you get the slow mo of following bullets into people's heads. You get like rotating cameras. You get steady cam with Dutch tilts all over the place. Like it's just like every single trick in the wheelhouse was used in this film, but dialed up to eleven. And it, yeah, it it is a style that I don't think could be replicated in any other film like this apart from maybe a Deadpool as you uh, <laughs> alluded to earlier Will but yeah everything like everything about this film is over the top there's nothing here that is subtle even the subtle moments are really quickly glossed over like Nix's backstory mm. and all that sort of stuff that that takes up about five minutes of the film and then we get right back into the action so yeah still stand by my word bombastic <laughs> Actually, Marcus, speaking of bombastic, one of the things I really loved about the, um, you were mentioning before, Will, about um, Doom being like a video game on the, they, they, they cut across and there's, you see all these bottles of beer, but you also see the video game Doom. And for those who don't know, Doom is one of those video games where basically all you do is run and gun really quickly. Um, and so I kind of thought that that was like a little nudge um, when they filmed that, because that's exactly the kind of action that they're trying to emulate here in the film. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so cool that there are all these little nods and I think far more than even I was able to pick up on a first watch. And for me, this really falls into a category of movie that I could watch over and over again when I just feel like a bit of pick-me-up because it will always deliver. And stylistically, Marco, you were really kind of on it where it's dialed up to 11, but how it works so cohesively that that all these elements in other hands or in other ways would have been hammy or, you know, the character of Nick's, um, you know, or Samara Weaving's kind of portrayal might be, you know, over the top. Stylistically, it's just like, it's so, it so works and is elevated to the next level so that I at no point felt like it was hammy or anything like that. And so honoured these mo- these nods to comic books and, you know, first player shoot 'em ups or, you know, things like Mortal Kombat and that soundtrack, like I was just I was jiving on it. I was like, man, I'm I'm reaching for my Spotify and getting this playlist because this is this is dynamite. Like all those gr- like hearing ballroom blitz like grunged out like that very early on in the film. I was like, wow, this is all sorts of whack that I love. That that's an that was another thing that sort of brought me back to Suicide Squad in a way because that was what they tried to do in Suicide Squad that it didn't really work bringing all these like eighties anthems in into a bombastic kind of world and it didn't work and then this does exactly the same thing with with the same songs sometimes and just absolutely knocks it out of the park like mm. yeah. Well, I think we're we're well and truly in agreement as to, <laughs> as to our enjoyment of this film, and I think any more might be self-flagellating, wouldn't it? So, we like Marco. the film over the top. I think it's now time for us to um, go into whiskey mode and see what there is what there is on the um, on the bar table. Yeah. So, whose turn is it this week, Tom? <laughs> well, it was kind of my turn, but. Um, Unfortunately, I bought two whiskeys thinking they'll both be excellent and realized we've actually reviewed both of them already. So, uh, so I'm in a good, I'm so, in a, definitely in a good place, but not, not for the, not for the listeners. <laughs> well, uh, well, dear listeners, you're, you're in luck because I mean, I made the mistake last week of not having something to review. So I brought something along this week, hoping to give us a double, double whiskey review. But uh, unbeknownst to me, Tom had his uh, little lapse in judgment so this week i will be reviewing the penderin single malt welsh whiskey myth uh it, the notes on the back say that it is fresh and lively myth has mixed citrus fruits mingling with apple pear drops and the merest hint of tropical fruits in the mouth sweetness dominates then moves over a little to allow some refreshing bitterness to emerge while the mixed fruits continue to dominate the flavor Gradually, all the flavours simply ebb away to leave memories of a lively and light style of whiskey that is easy to drink. And if that's not the most poetic description of the flavour profile of a whiskey, I don't know what is. Sounds like a pina colada. (laughs) All All that fruit, all those tropical fruits. Well, it can't come from too much tropical fruit, right? I mean, it is from well, it is from Wales. It is, it is actually very fruity on the nose. Like, no, there's no peat at all. It's just very. 
I, I can't even really describe it. It's very light. How are those drops of pear coming along? <laughs> or was that was that you know, the... you, you know, funnily enough, it actually <laughs> smells a little bit like pear. One might like maybe drops of pear. I don't drops know. Of pear. It's like that famous song, "Drops of Jupiter." Surprisingly, not as flavorful as I would have expected. It doesn't really have much, like, on the front of it. But then you do get that fruity little aftertaste. Like they say, it does sort of combine for a bit of a fruity, like, aftertaste when it goes down. But it doesn't really have too much on the front. Like almost a little bit of a, like a caramelized apple or caramelized pear on the front, I would say. Look, I gotta say, I actually quite enjoy this whiskey, even if it is quite, it, it feels quite simple. It's not a complex whiskey, this. And that, that's by in no means is that a criticism of this whiskey. It is just light and simple with little touches of fruit. So that's that's quite nice. So anyway, dear, dear listeners, I won't bore you for too much longer, but that is the, the Pendron Single Malt Welsh Whiskey, the myth. Uh, they do also have a legend, but I decided against that because I'm a, too much of a legend as it is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, the gentlemen, I think legend, that... <laughs> <laughs> the myth, the legend, the Marco. Uh... <laughs> I think we've just found our new outro. well i think that brings us to the point in the night where we need to give a score and a watch or miss and i think that the second half of that will be pretty self-explanatory but tom how did you score guns akimbo yeah look i i think this is um i'd say this is definitely worth a watch but i do warn that this is one of those movies that's going to divide audiences um I think it's a lot of fun and it's worth checking out. I gave the writing a three. I thought the premise was int- was good. I mean, there's a lot of very sort of B-movie style dialogue in here, um, but still it's a good premise. Some very smart writing in terms of, you know, really bringing out um, Miles as a character. Um, definitely, it was just really entertaining. Um, acting, I gave a three and a half. I thought Daniel Radcliffe's performance was excellent. Um, Again, Samara Weaving and Ned Denny were particularly good as well. Technical, I gave a three and a half. I thought the the cinematography and the editing were the strongest aspects of this film. I thought set design by um, by Nick Bassett was also very good. Um, and then finally, direction three and a half. I think this was a really this was a coherent production. And um, Jason Lee Howard really had a vision with this and um, did a fantastic job putting it together. So I would say overall, this is just a good fun movie. And I give it 13 and a half out of 20. All right. So, uh, okay. Well, clearly I love it and it's a big, big watch from me. Um, story, I'm going to give it a four. I think there was lots to like about this um, for me that didn't fall into cliche or didn't, like it just felt so new and fresh. And the fact that we got a writer-director who kind of, 
managed the two really well or, or clearly was able to realise his vision as a writer in the end piece. Yeah, I thought this was really cool. Um, so story, I'm giving a four. Performances, I'm giving a four. Yes, it does fall mostly on the shoulders of Daniel Radcliffe, but it's it's dynamite. And I think I haven't seen somebody in, you know, an action, kind of action comedy or even a superhero film that delivers kind of all the different colours and shades that he does and ably supported by all the characters, um, you know, the a- actors as well. So performances are four. Direction of four, um, and I really just go back to that story, you know, right at director point um, that I said earlier. And technical, I'm going to give a four and a half because I thought this was stunning. I, I've talked about the sound design a couple of times. It was great. I thought the costuming and the production design were ace. Um, and then the technical work from the camera was just astounding and the editing was just dynamite. So fours across the board, um, technical four and a half, which gives me a total of 16 and a half. Marco. All right. Well, I, I gave the story a two, which might be a little bit controversial. Like I thought it, the story worked well for what it was, but it was it didn't surprise me in a lot of ways. I mean, the Nick's sort of thing from the second half of the film was expected. Like I absolutely expected that to happen. Um, but it was very good for a B movie generally, even if some of the dialogue was a bit on the nose every now and again. Particularly Nix's, I think that she had some of the best and some of the worst lines in the film. <laughs> um, I get performances of four, mostly, again, because of Daniel Radcliffe. He is a phenomenal actor, and thank God for Harry Potter, because if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have his acting chops doing such amazing films like this or Escape from Pretoria, which we also reviewed about a month back. Um, Samara Weaving was good. I mean, it, one would almost say it was overacting most of the time, but it just worked. Uh, like, it worked in the, the nature of the film, which is over the top, like we've discussed. Um, direction, I gave a four. I think the director knew exactly what he wanted and got exactly what he wanted out of it. And I think the, like, the way they, that he managed to get the performances out of his actors as well as the technical side with the crazy cinematography that was going on was amazing. Um, Got to have a shout out for um, for Ned Denny as Richter because he really sort of gave me the sore vibes for a lot of that as the leader of Schism as this sort of chaotic evil character. And I genuinely thought he was the guy that played Saw for a lot of that film. Um, technically, uh, technical, I gave a five. I thought... Just some of the cinematography alone was worthy of the five, but then the score, the editing, just the production design, every everything technical in this film came together so perfectly for what it wanted to do. Um, so all up, that gives me a 15 out of 20. Nice. And obviously a watch from you, Marco. Obviously a watch from me. Nice. And I think you're on uh, movie duties next week. Is that correct? That is correct. So I've I've decided that we're going to keep the action trend going and watch The Old Guard on Netflix. Um, It's uh, the the director, I believe, was supposed to direct a Marvel film or was, was in line to direct a Marvel film but walked away and this is what they created. So I'm quite excited to to see what what it has to offer. Charlie's they're on. Always usually a good 
good leading actress. So, mm, I and wait. I recently rewatched Monster, so I, I saw a very different side ah. of Charlie's Theron, revisiting that masterpiece from two thousand and three or something way back, very early on, but a very good film too. And I think that must mean I'm on whiskey duties. Tom will give you another week off to uh, sort your stuff out. Oh, guys, I'm happy to happy to jump in. <laughs> oh, you want to take you want to take the reins? You reckon you can? Go back to the bottle shop. They'll start start thinking you've got a serious whiskey drinking problem. Uh, <laughs> two separate ones, but <laughs> I see. I see. It's like getting your morphine uh, from different dispensaries. So they yeah, more of well, it, yeah, more of those. Well, well, well. If you're lucky, listeners, we may have a double whiskey lineup for next week, but that is yet to be seen. You will have to join us next week to find out. Very good. And yeah, I can't wait for this lockdown to be over because, well, not only is Tom going to bring all his leftover whiskeys, <laughs> yeah. but we're yeah. all going to sit in the same room with probably 20 bottles between us and um, just talk about whiskeys and movies, which we all love. And listeners, if you love talking about movies and whiskeys, we love for you to get in touch. You can hit us up at Instagram, which is at Three Boys in a Bar, or send us an email with your own reviews or whiskey suggestions, threeboysinabar at gmail.com, both with the numeral three. Tom, thank you very much for joining us once again. Thanks, Will. Marco, thank you. Thank you, Will. And everyone at home, stay safe during these crazy times. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Three Boys in a Bar. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com. Stay tuned for a spoiler cast if we have one happening this week. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.